Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Everybody excited to be back in school? Everybody's back in school. Parents are all excited. Our, seven, our five-year-old this week, he's finished seven days of school. He asked this week, am I done? Do we have to go back? anymore. Yes, you've got seven days down. You got like 160 more this year, and then you've only got 12 more years after this one. But anyway, hang in there, buddy. Seven days down. Hey, we're in a series. We're concluding it today, a series that we've called Healthy Relationships. I hope you've enjoyed this series. In week one, we talked to you about how to be a friend of God. And if we're going to have healthy relationships, we've got to be God's friend. Week two, we spoke about uh, the golden rule and how to be a friend to others. And last week we talked about having strong families. If you have not listened to all of these messages, I encourage you to check those out online. One thing you can do in service is not only do we have our sermon notes right here, but something they're going to throw it up on the screen. You can check out version every single Sunday. If you, all of you have a phone, an iPad, something, you can go live to that service right there. You can type in 65738. You can pull up the notes. You can type in your phone, and you can save those. My wife said she saves every one of my sermons because they're all so good, and she just likes to go back and read them and remember how good I am. But anyway, that's what she says. You can do that as well. Now you can check those out. But today I want to talk with you about the family of God. When I think of the ideal image of the family of God, there are many things that run through my mind. But the number one thing that runs through my mind when I think of the family of God is I think of the New Testament church in the book of Acts. To me, they were about as close to what God wanted the New Testament church to look like. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to spend the majority of our time looking at scriptures from Acts. But before we do, I want to read to you, I want to share with you a verse we've looked at. We built a whole series off of these verses a couple years ago. But I want to read these to you today. And they say this, Psalm 92, 12 through 14. The righteous will flourish. Everybody say that word, say flourish. flourish. Come on, say it like you mean to say flourish. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted. Everybody say that word. Say planted. planted. Come on, say it. Say planted. planted. Look at your neighbor and say planted. planted. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. That's good news for all the 50-plus people. Is God still wants you to bear fruit? I'm going to just start speaking. All you guys are going to start having your own kids. 50-plus, all having their own kids. Wouldn't that be a miracle? Some of you are like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. You said, Pastor Chad, why would you read a verse from Psalm 92 when you say the ideal image of the church is found in the book of Acts? If I know anything about my Bible, Pastor, Acts isn't even in the same testament, you know, as Psalms. They're two different places. Well, I believe that the New Testament church understood the value of being planted in the family of God. I believe that's the reason they flourished. I believe that's the reason they grew. I believe that's the reason they thrived is because they understood the value of being planted. And today I want to talk with you very specifically for the next few moments about being planted in the family of God. And not only do I want to talk to you about being planted in the family of God, I want to come to you on behalf of Destiny Church. And I want to encourage you to be planted in destiny church 
Let's pray. Father, I come before you and I ask you to move in this room. I ask you today to speak to every single heart and to every single life. God, I pray that this message speaks to every single one of us. Give me clarity as I talk through this. My prayer today is that I communicate what you want communicated. And God, I pray today that all of our ears are open and we all hear what you're speaking to us. And not only do we hear it, but we listen and we respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you in this room have a family? Raise your hand if you have a family. If you are not raising your hand, if you are unsure, you have a family. You've heard it said that blood is thicker than water. Have you ever thought, I'm not so sure, I believe in that statement that blood is thicker than water? Or maybe have you ever asked yourself or wondered or thought, I wonder if blood would boil quicker than water? No? Nobody else has ever wanted to harm their family? Just me? Okay. No, I never really... Wow. Sorry. I know I'm the only one that's a sinner up here and thought bad things about my family before. But anyway. No, seriously. Families can draw out the strangest and the strongest of emotions in us. Love. You know, when you birth that first child, there's, you thought you loved until you see that first child. And then there's just incredible love. And then they turn 15 and there's incredible anger. <laughs> and they know what I'm talking about. For there's frustration. There's compassion. The people that we love the most are oftentimes a part of our family, be it by blood or by adoption, by marriage. And in a family, there is potential for the most fulfilling of relationships. In a family, there is the potential for the closest of relationships that I believe are possible on earth. But not only is there potential for great love and great compassion, there's also potential for great pain. Nobody can hurt you like a family member can hurt you. I love what George Burns said. Concerning families. Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. (laughs) Can anybody relate? Anybody feel that right there? It's like, I love you, but go home. Not my family. We all live in the same town. We all, we never have bad thoughts. But anyway, let me talk to you about my family for just a minute. The people in my immediate family are the closest people on earth to me. My wife, my children, my parents, my sister, my in-laws. They are literally, they are people I would do anything for. I would, I would do anything for my family. And I hope and I believe that they would do anything for me as well, except for my kids when it comes to their chores. And then they won't do that. But I'm hoping that In case of danger or, you know, harm, my kids might actually show up and step up. But no, seriously, my most fulfilling relationships are within my family. And this week, my family, we we stepped up and we proved ourselves to each other. This family, this week, my family, we, we walked through something on Thursday and Friday of this week that 
There's no manuals that tell you how to walk through what we walk through. I don't know anybody that's walked through what we walked through this week. I, I, don't, I don't know anybody that, that faced what we faced. And my family came together, my wife, my kids, my parents, my in-laws, extended family. We, we came together as a tight-knit family and loved each other. And it was truly, I believe, a picture of what God wants a family to look like. We were truly a strong family this week, and I felt blessed. And I truly love my family. God blessed me with an incredible family. I wouldn't trade, I love all of you, but I wouldn't trade my family for your family for anything in the world. I love my family. But on the other hand, some of the greatest arguments I've had in my life are with my family. Anybody know what those kind of arguments are like? Tasha and I, we never argue. We just strongly disagree, and I end up being wrong. But anyway, <laughs> no. Some of the greatest hurts I've had in my life come from my family. The people I've been the hardest on. The people I've said some of the rudest things I could ever say, and they come out of your mouth, and you're like... <clears throat> Come, you know, have you ever said that where you're like, please come back, but you can't? It's oftentimes been to my family. Some of the greatest rejection I've faced in my life has come from my family. And guess what, though? My family isn't unique. Your family has dysfunction and skeletons in your family closet just like mine. Why? Because we're all sinners. We've all fallen. We are all inflicted by dysfunction. Read the Bible, read the New Testament, and you will find all kinds of stories of dysfunction from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, Cain killed his brother Abel out of jealousy. I mean, the, the Bible is full of stories. Jacob stole his brother Esau's birthright. Then he tricked his father out of a blessing. Joseph's brother said, hey, let's kill him because dad gave him a better coat than he gave us. And one of the brothers said, hey, let's not kill him because of his coat. Let's just sell him into slavery. You know, hey, we love him, let's just get rid of him. The prophet Jeremiah, his family disowned him because they didn't like the message that he was de declaring and prophesying over the nation of Israel. Jesus, his own family, questioned who Jesus was. You read the stories in the Bible, and it shows us that families are dysfunctional. Families, truly a love-hate relationship. Therefore, I find it very interesting that when God is looking for an image to describe the picture that he wants for the, fam the church of God, what he wants the body of Christ to look like, the image he most often uses is a family. The New Testament is packed with stories of family. Ephesians 2.19, Paul tells us we are members of God's household. In, in Matthew 12, 46 through 50, it's going to be on the screen. The first part of it, let me just say, is, is his mom and his brothers come and somebody says, Hey, Jesus, your family's here. They want to see you. And Jesus is like, Who's my family? And then listen what Jesus says. He then stretched out his hands towards his disciples and he says, Look closely. These are my brothers and my sisters. Obedience is thicker than blood. Listen to what he says. The person who obeys my heavenly father's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. In John 1, 12, Jesus says we are children of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 18 says this, I will be a father to you, and you will be my son and my daughter, says the Lord. To be honest with you, until I started digging into this message, 
I mean, I've known my whole life. I was raised in a pastor's home. They've always told me. I've communicated the fact that we are the family of God. I've preached messages on it. I believe it. I believe that when you decide to follow Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, you become a part of the family of God. But I don't think I realized it until I dug in and started studying this week just how often the New Testament references the fact that we are children of God. In fact, so many times does the New Testament tell us that we are children of God, I couldn't I couldn't share all of them with you today in one message. It would take up too much time. But what I want you to know today is if you've decided to follow Jesus, if you've ever raised your hand, if you've ever walked to the front, if you've said yes to Jesus, you are a part of the family of God. If you haven't said yes, guess what? You're not a part of the family of God. But I have good news for you. You can say yes to him in just a moment, and you can join the biggest family on planet Earth. You can become a part of our family. Now, as the family of God, our DNA isn't the same. We don't have the same color of skin, the same hair, the same eyes. Our genetic lineage may not be the same, but I don't think those are the only things that determine if someone is a family. I think family is determined by relationship. The New Testament has a Greek word called kononia. Most English versions translate it as the word fellowship. I don't think the word fellowship does it justice. Koinonia is actually, it very literally means being as committed to each other as we are to Christ. I don't know, maybe the problem today is we aren't as committed to to Christ as we used to be. I think that might quite possibly be the case, as we aren't as committed to Jesus as we should be. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Jed, I'm as committed to Jesus as I've ever been. Well, I want to thank God for that for you. Maybe you're as committed to Jesus as you've ever been, but maybe you're not as committed to others. I think we need to be as committed to both, Jesus and others. And I think that was the key of the New Testament. They loved God and they loved each other. I think they figured it out. Let's look at it in the book of Acts. We're going to spend the rest of our time in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 46, I think begins to describe it best. It says this, they devoted themselves. Now, I want you to notice when they say they devoted, this wasn't a half-hearted thing. It was like the song we said, I'm in, I'm yours, I'm all in. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. In other words, this is a community that's centered around Jesus, but it's not only centered around Jesus, they're doing life with each other. And everyone was filled with awe, and many signs and wonders were performed by the apostles. Before I go any further, let me tell you, I believe Destiny Church, I believe with all of my heart that we are getting, we are walking into a season of signs and wonders in our church. I believe that. I believe people are going to be healed. This past Sunday night at worship night, somebody was healed. I know of at least one that was healed. Others, I don't know. But God is going to do great things in our church. I believe a sign that God is in your church and that people are planted is signs and wonders. But don't miss this next part. It says, and all the believers were together and they had everything in common. You want to see the perfect picture of the family of God, a family of God that is planted and nourishing. I believe the New Testament church is that family. They were together and they had everything in common. Scripture goes on to say, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I love this. In other words, they're like, hey, you're my family. I got your back. I'll stand in your corner. I'll fight for you. We got each other. And that's exactly what, my, in my opinion, the church should look like. We, we should have each other's back. 
We should do life together. And in verse 46, and we're going to come back and reference this in just a little bit, but it says, And every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Like I said, we'll come back to that in just a moment. But when I look at the New Testament church, one of the things that amazes me about the New Testament church is their incredible, crazy growth. And I believe that a big reason that they grew is due to the fact that they were planted. And I'm going to say some things to you guys today, and, and it's great seeing everybody making their way back from summer vacations and things like that. But I want to speak to you today from the heart of a pastor. And please hear me, I'm not attacking, I'm not coming against anybody today. But there's going to be things I'm going to speak today that I believe that God put in my heart as your pastor. I believe a big reason for the growth of the New Testament church is due to the fact they weren't just going to church, they were the church. You see, there's a big difference between attending church and being planted in the church. Let me say it again. There's a big difference between, hey, I'm just going to go to church and consume and going to church and contributing. And you say, you're just after my money. I'm not even talking about money right now. Contributing, using your talent, your gifts, your abilities. But the New Testament church, they weren't just going to church. They were the church. They were family. And you can see it. The first church in Jerusalem, I want you to catch this. The first church in Jerusalem started out with 120 people in the upper room, if you track the church. We're going to track their growth here just for a moment. They started out with 120 people in the upper room. Fast forward 25 years later, and we're going to look at this growth track here in just a moment. Fast forward 25 years later, they are running over 100 thousand people in one church in 25 years. Now, let me give you some context uh, or some perspective on this. The city of Jerusalem, it is estimated at this point in time in the book of Acts, the the city of Jerusalem was around 200 to 250,000 people. So check this. The first church, one church was about half the size of the city. I'm no like church growth guru or expert, but I think that's pretty, I think that's a pretty good church right there. Can you imagine one out of every two people that you know going to church with you? Can you imagine one out of every two people you know knowing Jesus and going to church? Let's put that in some perspective here for Republic. Republic is around 18 to 20,000 people living here now. Let's just say 18. That would be like 9,000 people attending the Republic campus. Marshfield, our Marshfield campus, it's a town of 7,000 to 8,000. Let's go on the conservative side. 3,500 people attending church. Again, not a church growth expert, but I think that's a pretty good goal to shoot for. That's my new vision. 9,000 people at Republic, 3,500 people at at Marshfield. That's, That's my new vision. That's my new dream. That's what we're shooting for. That's what we've all got to partner together. No, I believe that's an incredible thing that's happening. So if there's 100,000 people attending church, where do you put all of them? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, where are they all, where are they all sitting? That's a good question. We're going to look at it in just a moment. But let's keep tracking the growth. Again, Acts chapter 1, we see 120 people in the upper room, all right? 
120 people in the upper room. Fast forward to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, and we see that group of people gathering together in one room, and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit fell in that room. And it says that on that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. They were saved. From the very first day, the New Testament church was a megachurch. From the first day, they were a major church. But here's one of the keys. I think the key, and if you don't get anything else today, write this down. I think the key to a healthy church, I think the key to a healthy family of God, I want you to get this, this, is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit doesn't show up in our churches, if God doesn't walk in the room, what are we gathering for? What are we doing? We're nothing more than a social gathering of people. We're nothing more than a country club or a political group. The thing that separates the body of Christ from other groups that gather has to be the power and the presence of God. And if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, we have to be marked by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be a church that's going to do great things, that has to mark us. This week on social media, I've been throwing out some things that have been driving some of you crazy. I put things on social media and it said, it's coming. And some of you started texting me, what's coming? Tell me. I won't tell anybody else. I can't handle this. I'm impatient. Please tell me what's coming to our church. No, I'm not going to tell you. And I just kept putting it and some people are like, you're driving me crazy. Let me tell you what's coming. And maybe you're here and you think, well, this isn't that big of a deal. But last Sunday night, We had a night of worship here at the church. And we've had several nights of worship throughout the years. We do a couple of them a year. And generally, most of them have been pretty good. But this past Sunday night was literally one of the most powerful times I've ever had or ever experienced in the presence of the Lord. I was was blown away as we were worshiping and there was, I don't know the exact number, 300 people here. If you missed Sunday night, I want to say you missed it, but that doesn't even do justice to it. But there were 300 people here, and it went a little over two hours, and nobody left. And from front to back, side to side, everybody was worshiping, and we had our kids above the ages of five in the room, and five and six-year-olds were worshiping Jesus right along moms and dads, and people are weeping as the presence of God is just moving in the room. It was a beautiful sight. Before the service even started, I felt the Lord begin to whisper to me, Chad, this isn't going to be the only one. I want you to do more of these. And so I was like, okay, God, what do you want that to look like? And I wasn't exactly sure. So I, so I'd be, I was praying through about that the whole night. I, I assembled some of our team together. I talked to some of them on Tuesday. And I said, hey, I said, what do you guys think about this? And they're all on board. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's a surprise. And you say, maybe this isn't that big of a deal. But I tell you, if you were here Sunday night, you're going to think this is one of the biggest things you've ever heard this church say. Number one, let me say this. We are going to, as a church, make room for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our church. You think, well, are we going to do that on Sunday mornings? Sunday mornings are difficult for us to... Drag, drag out and say, okay, we're going to do, we're going to make room for God. Guess what? I believe Sunday mornings are for lost people to find Jesus and their family. It's our family reunion where we celebrate, hey, it was a great week and we worship and we build each other up and we get strength and we go back out. But where are we going to make room for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? We're going to add between now and the end of this year, we're going to add four Sunday night services. Starting in September, we're going to do one a month. The first one will be September 8th. We're going to call these Heaven Come Services because we believe 
Our prayer is we want heaven to come. We want heaven to show up. We want Jesus to walk in the room. And so we're going to call these Heaven Come services. They're going to be, the first one will be on Sunday night, September 8th, and they'll be at 5.30. Now, Marshfield is joining us. They're not worshiping over in Marshfield. The church in Marshfield is coming over here. So guess what? That means this place is going to be hopping and packed. I'm telling you, you want to be here. I'm not hyping it up. If you don't want, if you're freaked out by the presence of God or you say, you know what, that's not my thing, don't come. I'm coming. And God's showing up. And it's going to be powerful. And if you want to miss it, that's fine. That's on you. But it's going to feel like heaven. And if you don't like this, you might not like heaven. But anyway, <laughs> just saying. We're going to do those services. And we're going to, so we're going to do that first. It'll be September 8th. And then we're going to do the first Sunday night in October, the first Sunday night in November, and the first Sunday night in December. But. We believe that God is going to do something. We're not going to perform. We don't want, I, I was like, God, I don't want to have to perform. And the Lord told me, he said, don't perform, I'll perform. Right, you don't have to perform, I'll do it. So we're going to show up. And I believe if God, what I'm thinking, what the staff thinks, what we're preparing for, is not only that God will show up on those one Sunday nights, if God shows up in the way that we think he is wanting to on September 8th, and the power and the presence of there, we will announce that night that we're going to do the next four Sunday nights in September as well. We're going to go the entire month of September on Sunday nights, and we're just going to worship God, and we're going to make room for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so invite your friends. We're going to have baptisms. We'll do communion. We're going to see, we're going to see God show up. We're going to see people saved. And, and I don't want to use the word revival, but maybe that's what's going to break out. Maybe God's going to show up. All right? So mark it down. That's the surprise. If you don't like it, ask your husband to buy you something nice. But anyway... Hey, fast forward to Acts chapter 2, verse 47. It says, the Lord added daily to the church. Then go to Acts 4, and it says, many of the people who heard believed the message. And it says, and now the men, not even counting women, is up to 5,000 people. Then Acts 5, 14 says, more and more believed and were added. Then Acts 6, 1 says, and I want you to notice the transition here. It says, the number of believers rapidly multiplied. They've moved from addition to now multiplication. I speak that over our church. Acts 6, 7 says, the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to fast forward 25 years to Acts chapter 21, verse 20. It won't, I, I'm not going to read this, but you can look at it. That Paul is coming back from some of his missionary journeys. He's been communicating the gospel. He's been seeing people saved. Paul's now coming back to Jerusalem. And, he see, and the people of Jerusalem, the Jewish leaders of the church, they come running to Paul, and they're excited. And that's what Scripture says. And they're, Paul, Paul, you can't believe what's happened. They said, we've added thousands upon thousands to the church. Now, that Greek word, thousands upon thousands, doesn't mean 1,000 times 1,000. It actually means 10,000 times 10,000. We've added Thousands and thousands. That's where we get to 100,000 people in the church in 25 years. Remember, this is one church. It's grown from 120 people to over 100,000 people in 25 years. Talk about a healthy church family. Now, do they have issues? Yeah, read the book of Acts. And you can see they had issues. You can see they had disagreements. You can see it. But every family has issues. But just because you have issues doesn't mean you're not a healthy family. This family is healthy. It's growing. Lives are being changed. People are being saved. People are doing life together. It's a beautiful picture of what the church should look like. And the big question that for me, as I referenced earlier, is where do they put all these people? Well, I want to show you where I think they put these people. I believe this answer that I'm getting ready to share with you is a crucial piece 
of Destiny Church moving forward, if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, if we're going to experience better days, if we're going to be the healthy church family that God has called us to be, not, and let me, say, let me rephrase that. I just felt checked. Not if, when. When we become. We're, it's not a matter of if. We are becoming the church He's called us to be. Not if. It's happening. But when we become the church that God has called us to be, this will be a crucial piece of the puzzle. Look at it. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Now, before I even read this, in 2005, when God told Tosh and I to plant Destiny Church, one of the very first things that God told us is He said to us very clearly, if I've ever heard the Lord clearly, this was one of those times. He said it will be one church, multiple locations. I knew, I'd read Acts 5.42, but I'd never paid attention to Acts 5.42. I did not know that churches were doing what the Lord told us to do in 2005. But listen to what he says. This is, this is God's plan for the church. Acts 5.42. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Messiah. I want you to notice the New Testament church from the book of Acts, they were one church in multiple locations, two different types of meetings. One church Multiple locations, two different types of meetings. That's what we're trying to do here at Destiny Church. One church, multiple locations. In fact, my prayer is, my belief is, my vision is, by the year 2023, we would have five campuses, and by 2026, I'm believing for ten. Looking back at Acts chapter 5, it says, day after day in the temple courts. Look at that word, courts. Look at that word. If you'll go back to that scripture, can we go back to Acts 5.42 and put this on the screen? They devoted themselves to the apostles day after day in the temple courts. Look at that word courts. What's the letter on the end of courts? It's plural. It doesn't say they met in the court. They met in courts. They didn't meet in one place. They met in multiple courts, multiple places around the city. And it goes on. It says, and from house to house. I wish I could say, I wish I could stand up here today and say this painted a beautiful picture of the church of today. I wish I could stand up here today and say, isn't this what the church looks like today? But sadly, it doesn't. Let me just talk to you about the church of today. Average attendance across the globe, across churches in America is down. Churches are bigger than they've ever been. But average attendance, weekly attendance is down in the church. Average attendance when I was a kid was something like people attended services three times a month. Now, it's a little more than one time a month as the average churchgoer attend church. And please hear me again. I, I'm, just, I'm just speaking to you from the heart of a pastor. Some of you guys, you want to be planted in the family of God and you want to flourish and you wonder why am I struggling in my walk with the Lord. Listen, when, you, when you're walking through the church doors once every four, six, eight weeks... It's not healthy. Well, pastor, we're busy. Well, guess what? We're busy. Guess what? Other people are busy. You have to come to the place that church is not optional. Church is what we do. My family never gets up of a morning and you say, well, you're a pastor. You have to say this. No, I don't. My family never gets up and says, are we going to church today? No, church isn't an option. When I was a kid, my parents, I remember they, they made me, there was times they made me go to church sick. Why? Because it wasn't an option. And because they were both on the stage and nobody was there to watch me. So I was like, well, you're going to puke. If you're going to puke, you're going to puke in the front row. By God, that's what's what you're going to do. Church wasn't optional. Listen to me, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to like condemn you guys today. I want to build you up. This is not, I, I don't want anybody to walk away. Pastor Chad just talked about building the church attendance of Destiny Church. No. Hear my heart. I want you and your family and your son and your daughter to flourish. 
And the way to do that is to be planted. But average church attendance is down. And people knowing they should be attending church, but they're not walking through the doors. And not only that, in this area, you know what's one of the easiest things in the world to do is to jump from church to church. We don't like the preacher, so we're going to go somewhere else. We don't like the pastor's wife. We don't like the worship. We don't like kids. Did you see how that greeter talked to us today? Yeah, we shouldn't go to that church. Let's go somewhere else. And guess what? We should be planted somewhere, but we're continually uprooting our family, and we're wondering, why are we not flourishing? Why are we not growing? Why are we not thriving? It's because you're not putting down roots. You can't flourish where there are no roots. I'm not the greatest gardener, but I understand for my tree to grow, it's got to establish a good solid root system. If I'm always, I don't like that tree there today, I'm going to go and move it over here. Guess what that tree's going to do? It's going to die. Why? Because I didn't plant it in the ground and say, this is your home. I'm talking pretty good to you guys today. But we get, excited, we get upset, we don't like what they do, and so we hop from church to church. We don't like the worship, I'm going to go somewhere else. Too loud, too quiet, didn't sing my song today. We don't like the coffee, guess what? We brew Folgers, that's what we do. You don't like it, go to Starbucks. But anyway, I mean, that's what we brew. But we don't like coffee, we don't like the preacher, we don't like the teaching, we don't like kids. God told us to be planted in that house. We know that that's the house God called us to, but we're so superficial. And please hear me, I'm not condemning or pointing fingers, but we jump ship. And not only today do we not only jump ship quickly, when we do jump ship, we gossip about it. And we blow up on social media, and we don't just leave quietly and remember, hey, you know what? We're part of the family of God. No, we get up, and we just take off, and we go to another church, and we get on social media, and we passively and aggressively, we don't call people out. I'm just getting, I'm venting today. But anyway, (laughs) no, we go, and we sit there, and we talk negatively about churches and about people, and we don't just quietly walk out the door. No, we want everybody to know we're miserable, and we want everybody to leave with us. We want everybody to deal divorce the family. Guess what? God has not called you to be the gardener to uproot people. If God tells you to leave, then leave, but leave quietly. Don't try to take people with you. That's not your place. That's not your call. That's not God's plan. And you're destroying the family of God. We gossip. We try to take people with us. Listen, here's the deal. There's going to come times when God's going to tell you to leave a church. If, if you leave Destiny Church, you didn't hear from God. But anyway, no, I'm just, no, there's going to come times. Listen, then maybe God does say, you know what? I want to use your gift somewhere else. Guess what? Then go and we release you. But don't try to talk negatively about us to get people to go with you. We're the family of God. Listen to me. If you come, if you're coming to us from another church and you love in this place, listen. Welcome to our family. We'll take you in, but I don't want to hear you gossip about your pastor. I don't want to hear you talk negatively about the people you sat beside or the greeter or the worship. Guess what? You left there. Leave it behind. And welcome to our family. But we're not going to talk bad about people. Because what we've discovered and what we said just a couple weeks ago, if you gossip about me when we're around each other, guess what? We're going to gossip about other people when we're not around you. And we don't do that. Is this good? Is this okay? When we leave and we uproot ourselves, we entirely forget what we're supposed to do. We're the family of God. Families don't tear each other apart. This is not God's plan. I believe the New Testament church grew and flourished because they were united. They were family. 
And the Bible promises us in Psalm chapter 92 that those who are planted will flourish. The word flourish, it means to break forth as a bud. In other words, it means breakthrough. Those who are planted, listen to me, will have breakthrough in their lives. Let me say it again. Those who are planted will have breakthrough in their lives. I don't know about you, but I need some breakthrough in my life. Right now in this room, I'm going to do it again. And you might look at the clock and say, you're running a little long, Pastor. Well, I got something to say. But I, if, I just feel like, Lord, today, if you're in this room, you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I need breakthrough in my life, in my marriage, or some area, just something, some, I need breakthrough in my life, and I want to flourish, and I want to break through. Stand to your feet now. I'm not done with the message, but if you need breakthrough, yeah, stand to your feet. If you say, you know what, Pastor, I need some breakthrough, and I'm tired. Listen to me, I'm tired of the body of Christ that is planted, not seeing what God wants to do in your life. God is a God of more than enough. God is a God who provides. He says, I'll heal. He says, I'll deliver. He says, I'll set free. Then guess what? He'll do it. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, next week, next year. He's God. He doesn't change. So if you need breakthrough in your life, stand to your feet. Who else? There's a few others. I want to pray over you real fast. If you need breakthrough, I want to pray over you. Yeah, let's pray right now. Extend your hand to the people around you and let's pray for breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, God, I don't know every need. I don't know every hurt. I don't know every pain, but you do, God. And I'm not going to try to figure it out. I just know that right now there's some people that need a breakthrough in their marriage. I just know that right now there's some people that need a breakthrough in their health or in their finances or in their workplace. God, I know that you're doing things today. I know there's some students who need breakthrough in their school. I know there's some people who need breakthrough in their faith, in their walk with God. And today, I play that as a plant in this ground and they begin to flourish and they begin to spring forth like a bud. I pray right now, I declare that the old things have passed away and behold, all things are becoming new in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give God praise for breakthrough. <laughs> give me five more minutes. If you look back at Acts chapter five and in Acts chapter two, you'll see both both places, I believe it paints the picture of what the church of today should look like. Acts 2, Acts 5, it says, Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, it talks about how they devoted themselves, they committed, but listen to verse 46 and verse 47. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Notice the difference. They did life together. They didn't only go to church, they were the church. They planted themselves in the church. The New Testament church understood that church wasn't just something they did. It wasn't just an event on Sundays. It wasn't just somewhere they went. The New Testament church didn't just listen to a podcast and call it good. Hello? We podcast everything. We video our sermons. We put it out there. But listen to me. Some of you, you've, you've told me, and, I, and I'm not... I'm going to say something with my back turned so I'm, you don't throw things at me. If it hits, it won't hurt as bad. But no, I'm serious. Some of us, we go missing for six, eight weeks, and we say, well, I listen to a pastor online. Guess what? That's great. I listen to pastors online. I listen to sermons online. But they're a supplement. They can't be a substitute. Listen to me. And I'm not, Stephen Furtick is not your pastor. I love him. I listen to him. He's one of my favorite communicators. But he's not my pastor. It's not the church I'm planted in. The New Testament church wasn't like just disappearing and then showing up and saying, I wonder why my faith isn't as strong as it used to be. 
No, we need to be planted in the house that God has called us. The New Testament church was who they were. It was a faith family that God called them to be a part of. This was their family. They did life together. Listen, when the family isn't all together and somebody's missing, it doesn't feel right. If I cut my finger off, guess what's going to happen to my finger? Not only is my finger going to die, but my hand is not going to function the way it's supposed to. Why? Because we're all a part of the body. And we function better when we're connected. We function better when we are together. So what did the New Testament church look like? Two things real quickly. Number one, large group worship. We see that in Acts 2 and in Acts 5. Large group worship. What do you call that? We call that the Sunday morning experience. Wednesday nights. Thursday nights. Whatever night it might be. Sunday night. Sunday night worship starting in September 8th. They did large group worship. It says they come together. They follow the daily discipline of worship in the temple. And Acts 5, 5, Acts 5.42 says day after day in the temple courts. So large group worship. And then number two, house to house fellowship. We call it life groups. Again, they follow the daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, and then Acts 5, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. This is the way that God grew the church 2,000 years ago. It's the same way that God wants to grow the church today. Let me tell you, Destiny Church, prophetically by God, God wants this church to grow. God wants this church to flourish. God wants multiple locations. God has called us to do big things. God has called us to do great things. And so with Acts 2 and Acts 5 in mind, let me say this. We've done a decent job. I would say better than decent. I'd say we've done a good job at the Sunday morning experience. We worship well. I believe we communicate the gospel well on Sunday mornings. But we could do better. We could worship better. We could greet better. We could serve kids better. I could communicate the gospel better. But I think we do a good job. But you know an area? But listen, God hasn't called us to be good, so we're going to continue to strive to be better on, on Sunday mornings and on Wednesdays. But you know an area that we've failed as a church in is community. I apologize for that. We've not done a good job of building the, we've done a good job of building the experience, but we haven't done a good job of building the relationships. And I apologize for that. We failed at life groups. And if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, we have to do a better job in life groups. And as I close, the Destiny Church Department of Mental Health recently did a study. You say, we have a Department of Mental Health? No, we don't. But this sounded good anyway. But anyway, I did a study. And I discovered that if you isolate yourselves from people, and if you don't develop close friendships and relationships like that of a life group, you're three times more likely to get eaten by a bear. I did the survey, so you cannot test my method. But anyway, you're four times more likely to get struck by lightning. It's a fact. It's a study. You don't join a life group, you're getting struck by lightning. It's just part of it. You're five, this, it gets worse. You're five times more likely to listen to Kenny G while eating at Taco Bell alone. <laughs> Sorry. just It's a study. I did it. And you're ten times more likely to take your date to Waffle House for a romantic Christmas Eve dinner. But anyway, hey. It's just a survey I did. In my office, and I didn't even ask anybody questions, but I just kind of thought that sounded good. But anyway, no, the New Testament church in Acts, they proved that if you do do church the way God intended you to do church, you will make a difference. You'll flourish. In Destiny Church, we want to make a difference. So as I close, I challenge you, plant yourself here. Don't just attend, but plant, serve, give, be a part of this church. But don't just attend on Sunday mornings. Don't just serve on Sunday mornings. Join a life group. 
And don't just say, I'm going to do it. Don't just say you're going to be a part of it. Commit to a life group. Join the Destiny Church family. Go to church together, worship together, and do life together. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.